Hey everybody, this is Jason. Welcome in to another episode of A Very Messy Message. Uh, we had stopped doing the new Messy Spirituality episodes back in April. Um, I was just kind of overwhelmed with life. I was starting a new job and had a lot going on um, after recovering from COVID, and it just got to be overwhelming. But I am happy to report that new episodes of the podcast are on the way. To be honest, I just miss doing it. Um, so we're back. Uh, I'm waiting on two episodes now from our producer, the incredible podcast doctor, Eric Howell. Uh, but oddly enough, uh, in my absence, he found some other shows to pick up, including a little show you might have heard of called The Heretic Happy Hour that he's now producing. And so um, he's got his hands full. So I'm waiting to get those back from Eric. And uh, I thought I would go ahead and just record this really quickly and release it today. Um without any edits or without any kind of uh, help from Eric uh, to just get you um, some content for our patrons and for our listeners, those who have subscribed to the podcast who haven't heard from us in a while. Let you know new episodes are on the way. The first one hopefully will release next week. So go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, I'd love to have you uh, join the group of folks that subscribe to the podcast and get it automatically every time we release a new one. Also want to mention to you that I will be joining my friends Carl and Laura Forehand for a monthly conversation starting in June regarding current events and anything that happens to be on our minds at the time over at the Desert Sanctuary podcast. Again, that starts in June. So um, I'm recording this on May 31st. So starting very soon, it should be the third Sunday of each month. A new episode of the Desert Sanctuary will release with a conversation with myself, Carl and Laura, and uh, anybody else that wants to join uh, join uh, join in that conversation. Um, they will release episodes weekly, but I'll be a part of it once a month um, on that third Sunday. Uh, their podcast is pretty incredible. Um, it's not a highly edited, produced podcast, and so a lot of folks might just dismiss it, just you know, hearing that it's something that they put together themselves, but it's really incredible. It's very deep. They have great conversations, very transparent conversations that I think can help a lot of people. So I encourage you to listen it totally apart from that third Sunday of the month when I'll be on there. It's a fantastic podcast that I think you're really, really going to enjoy listening to. Um, a couple of their latest episodes are just incredible, and I hope you'll check them out. Also, Carl released this new book, Being, recently. It's fantastic. You're going to hear all about it in a future episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast, but there's no need to wait for that. You can go ahead and uh, order your copy today. It's fantastic. A Journey Towards Presence and Authenticity. It's one of the first releases from the new Shia Sophia imprint on Choir Publishing. And it's a fantastic book. I think this is Carl's best book to date. So um, check that out. Also wanted to mention very quickly that a while back, my friend Keith Giles, uh, the proficient author that he is, invited me to be a part of a compilation book that he and some friends were writing in response to the Gospel Coalition's book on deconstruction. Their book's entitled Before You Lose Your Faith. Uh, it's primarily written by people who've never deconstructed anything and warning them that deconstruction is um, something they should avoid. Uh, or, you know, hey, it's okay to rethink your beliefs as long as you end up in the orthodox position. Uh, now, there are some exceptions. There's a chapter or two that I hear are actually pretty good. Uh, but we wanted to write a response to that. Uh, I was thrilled to write a chapter 
along with some incredible writers. And the fruit of that labor is this brand new book entitled Before You Lose Your Mind. It's available right now. I've got a couple of copies of it already. Um, and we already sent out a Kindle version to every single one of you that is a patron over on Patreon of this podcast. And so you should already have it if you're a patron. Um, if not, it's available on Amazon. If you'd like to get a hold of it, you can get a Kindle version or a paperback version. It's priced pretty cheap. But I want to say that anybody who becomes a patron at any level, that's $1 or higher per month, uh, for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, every single one of you who become patrons in the month of June will get a copy of uh, this book on Kindle, and I'll be thrilled for you to have it. My chapter, I believe, is chapter 12, maybe 11. I don't remember for sure. It doesn't really matter. The whole thing's pretty good. So check it out. It's got folks like Brandon Andrus, Michelle Collins, Derek Day, Matt DiStefano, Brandon Dragon, um, Maria Francesca French, uh, Mark Karras, who is incredible, Matt Cortman, who's also incredible, Josh Rogie, Katie Valentine, Skeeter Wilson, and of course, Keith Giles is the editor, and he also contributed a chapter to himself. So they're fantastic. I hope you will check out this book, um, but I'm not here to sell you something today. I honestly just had something on my mind that I wanted to talk to you about. And um, this messy message that I'm about to share with you uh, was born out of listening to the Desert Sanctuary podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they were talking about transparency and roots, and, and uh, it's incredible. Again, go to their podcast, listen to their uh, most recent episodes. They're really, really good. Um, but it got me thinking that a lot of folks are offering what they promise is a safe space for people to ask questions and to heal from their trauma. Um, Honest to God, I'm not sure that's a thing. I'm not sure there is a safe space. I, I know that a lot of folks who are saying that they're creating a safe space, they're doing it from a really good intentioned heart. They're saying, we want this to be a safe space. We want it to be a place where you can ask questions and nobody's going to judge you and nobody's going to tear you down or belittle you for having questions or thinking differently. Um, but here's the, here's the problem with that. As long as human beings are in the mix, as long as they're a part of the equation, it's probably not safe. And so I'm not sure there is a safe church. I'm not sure there's a safe friend circle. I'm not sure there's a safe Facebook group. Uh, there's probably not a whole lot of safe relationships, just to be honest. Um, the, the only way that we can keep something safe is for somebody who has healed for their, from their own trauma to kind of moderate that, right? And I think that's how a lot of these safe spaces start out. Somebody who's uh, on the healing journey, who's getting over their trauma and finding themselves in a more positive place is, is trying to create a space and they're willing to defend it. So they're willing to, you know, take control and, and keep things um, positive and uplifting. And, and that's wonderful. And I really love the heart behind that. But the problem is the only way you can make it truly safe is to maintain really heavy control over a situation. And that can cause damage of its own. Uh, every dictator, every tyrant starts off thinking they're doing, they're controlling things in the best interests of the people. And so as, as we've all seen from our own lives, our own families, our own journeys, um, there's no love in control. 
it starts off probably very well-intentioned. But control is not going to create safety. It just doesn't. At some point, the person who's being controlled will resent it, as well they should, and uh, they get hurt. And then that creates a rejection issue with the person who was doing the control, who thought they had good intentions, and they may be hurt in in the fallout as well. So um, control does not equal safety. You see, love requires freedom. And freedom requires risk. And the mere presence of risk means we are not completely safe. There is no such thing as a truly safe place. There's no such thing as a truly place, uh, safe church or Facebook group. But that doesn't mean that we should just shut ourselves away from every community and every relationship. Understand, I am not saying today, please, please hear this. This is important. I am not saying that we should ever go back to the toxic people who created our trauma. I'm not saying you should go back to the church that hurts you. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is uh, that in our own love, there's going to be some risk required. It's going to require vulnerability, and vulnerability means we are risking getting hurt. The only way to really insulate yourself from pain is to never let anybody see who you really are, and there's no freedom in that. There's no real life in that. There's no love in that because you're always going to have this sneaking suspicion that if they knew the real you, they wouldn't love you. And so love requires vulnerability. And vulnerability means we're risking getting hurt. Now, some folks are at the point in their journey in which they feel they cannot fathom trusting anyone again. And I understand how you feel. I've been there. And I'm not going to judge where you are for a second. So if you feel that way today, understand nothing I'm saying in this very messy message is aimed at you at all. You are where you are, and where you are is okay. And I hope that one day you can come to a point in your healing journey in which you think it's worth it to put your real self out there again. But I don't blame you for where you are today for a second. Let me talk about my mom for a minute. My mom's got a birthday coming up in a couple of days. I'm not going to mention her age, but she's in her upper 60s. And um, she's got a great big heart. She always has. She was 17 when she married my dad. She got pregnant early on. Several months later, she experienced the heartbreak of delivering a stillborn little girl. A couple of years later, she had me. A couple of years after that, she had my little sister. Years later, after 40 years of marriage, my dad left her for another woman. It broke her heart, of course. The home they had lived in for nearly 20 years was foreclosed on. The church I was serving at the time had a little rental house, and mom moved into that house, and that was her fresh start. That was the place where she was going to start her life over again after it had burned to the ground metaphorically. Tragically, that little rental house where she was starting her fresh start at life burned to the ground just a few months later, and she lost nearly everything. And so she starts over again in another little rented house. She reconnects online with an old high school friend, maybe boyfriend. They fall in love. Later, they get married. She came home from work one day six weeks later after they'd gotten married, six weeks after they'd gotten married to find him dead in the floor of a massive heart attack. Now, you would think 
that after all the pain and devastation that she's been through, that she would just wall herself off from everything and everyone so that nobody could ever hurt her again. And no one could blame her for doing that. I certainly would not. But the reality is that after everything she's been through, my mom still has one of the biggest hearts for people of anybody that I know. She works in healthcare and she helps people in impossibly difficult situations. She helps families process the death of a loved one. Um, she runs diagnostic tests uh, looking for brain activity on people who are brain dead and uh, need, their families need answers whether or not they're still there. It's an impossibly difficult job. I could never do it. But my mom has the capacity for that because she's got this great big heart. She shares what little she has with people who are struggling. We have a family member who struggles with addiction, and she loves and serves that family member with everything that she's got. It's not because she's a doormat or a glutton for punishment. It's because my mom has decided that a life without love isn't a life worth living. And so she keeps showing up. She keeps putting herself out there. She keeps loving the people around her. Love is not safe, but my mom's found that it's worth it. I have too, and I hope you have. So maybe instead of looking for safety in our relationships and our communities, maybe instead of looking for safety, since that probably doesn't actually exist, maybe what we ought to be looking for are signs of health in the people and communities that we extend ourselves to. Now, again, don't please don't hear me saying that we should only reach out to healthy people because there are people who've been through hell who need love, who need um, our intention, who need relationships with healthy people. And I hope that you're one of them. I hope to be one of them. But um, when we're looking for communities of refuge, when we're looking for a safe place to connect and truly be ourselves and ask the difficult questions, a place where we can wrestle with truth and um, where we can deconstruct or reconstruct. Maybe we should look for signs of health in those people and communities that we look to connect with. So what are we looking for? What are some signs of health? Maybe we connect with people who are comfortable in their own skin. Um, I'm, I'm going to name drop here, but when I first started uh, hearing about Matthew DiStefano, um, I was really kind of put off. I, I was raised in a very religious, structured environment. I'd been a pastor for more than 20 years in the buckle of the Bible Belt right around you know Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and I was not used to hearing a lot of four-letter words. I mean, you'd hear them on TV and in the movies and all that, but that's the kind of stuff that you cringe through You know, if you really had the Spirit of God living within you. At least that's what I was taught. And um, so when I first came across Matt DiStefano online, and he uses a lot of profanity, and that's just part of who Matt is, but Matt is putting himself out there. He's not filtering himself. And when I first came across him, I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. But then I got to know him. Then I, I had a conversation with him on this podcast. It was one of the early conversations um, that I had. And I just, I love the guy. He's he's incredible. And the more I read of Matthew DiStefano, uh, the more brilliant I think he is, and the more I see his love for the way of Jesus, and uh, he, he's got a genuine heart to love people. And so um, 
he's somebody who's comfortable in his own skin. So it may not look like you. It, it may not sound like you, but when I'm looking to connect with people, I, I look for a signs of health. And those signs of health may start with somebody who's comfortable in their own skin. And Matthew DiStefano is comfortable in his own skin. He knows who he is and he doesn't want to candy coat himself for anybody. And I love that about him. And um, so I love that he is comfortable with who he is and puts that out there. It's awesome. Those are the kind of people I want to connect with. Those are the kind of people who say, this is a, somebody who is is worth investing in a relationship with. People who aren't looking to impress anybody. We all know folks who have never sat down inside. They're trying to keep other people impressed with them their whole lives. Their whole lives are about, look what I did, or look at this thing that I did, or this that I accomplished, or, or projecting an image of themselves that may not actually exist. And again, those people need love too. I'm not saying we should shun them, but a healthy person has sat down inside, or at least is on a journey towards that, where they're becoming more and more comfortable with who they are, and they don't feel like they have to pretend to be someone they're not or impress you with their long list of credentials. They don't have to do that anymore. We actually can see some of this in the the New Testament trajectory of the life of Paul. Now, I've said Paul, and some of you are like, ah, Paul. I know. I feel the same way. There's some stuff about Paul that really, really ticks me off. Um, but he starts off saying, I'm just as good as any of the other apostles, and don't let anybody tell you I'm not. Uh, later on, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. By the end of his journey, at least the narrative we get in the New Testament, uh, he calls himself the king of sinners. Now, I don't think that's because he got this worm theology view of himself. No, I think it's because he just quit trying to impress anybody. He quit trying to flash his resume. When he was a Pharisee, it made sense. Uh, to flash his resume because he wanted everybody to be impressed with him and gave him all the respect and and uh, all the authority that came along with the title that he held of being a Pharisee. But the the more he got to know the way of Jesus, um, the less he felt the need to impress others. And, and that impresses me. Uh, people who are hopeful, people who are looking for the best in people, those are healthy people. People who are okay with being by themselves, people who can just sit for hours alone and and not have to be around other people all the time. Um, I've got um, somebody that I'm really close to that I love a lot, who as soon as they end one relationship, they're right into the next one. I mean, they're not even out of the, the previous relationship before the next relationship starts. This person just cannot be alone. That's not healthy. And I've certainly been there. I don't shame them or, or point a finger at them. But th that's just a, a red flag that something's amiss. You know, we, we need to be comfortable with who we are. We need to be uh, okay with being... Now, listen, you're wired for community. You're going to need community. That doesn't mean that as one romantic relationship ends, you're jumping right into the next one, right? Community is a lot bigger than just one-on-one -on -one relationships. But um, look for people who are okay with being alone sometimes. People who have clearly defined boundaries and are willing to enforce them. Boundaries uh, made me uncomfortable for a really long time. Um, I think it was the control freak in me. I didn't want to submit to anybody else's boundaries. And um, I didn't want anybody rejecting uh, 
edicts that I was putting on them. Um, uh, but boundaries are part of healthy life. And so if somebody's asking more of you than you feel comfortable giving, you need to have a boundary and you need to be willing to back that up with saying, no, I'm just, I'm not going to go there with you. People who have boundaries and are willing to enforce them are healthier people. And so when we're looking for places to connect, we're looking for communities where we can give a part of ourselves or, or trust a piece of ourselves, being vulnerable. We look for healthy people who are comfortable in their own skin, and who aren't trying to impress anybody or seeking vindication. People who are hopeful, looking for the best in people, because we want them to look for the best in us, right? People who are okay being alone. People who have clearly defined boundaries and are willing to enforce them. People who are okay with being misunderstood. People who don't care if some folks don't get it. Uh, for, for a long time, social media frustrated me so badly because I was just furious when I would try to say one thing and people take it the exact opposite way, right? It's so infuriating sometimes when you're trying to say something really positive and people take it and make it about something it's not about at all. Um, eventually, you kind of get to a point where you're okay with being misunderstood. You're not here for everybody. Everybody's not going to get you. And that's okay. Again, I'm not saying that we should reject or ignore anyone who doesn't live up to the parameters of health that we've just discussed. Uh, I'm just saying that we can be more readily vulnerable with people who are healing and who are comfortable in their own skin. There may be no such thing as a truly safe place, but loving people can be worth the risk. It is, after all, the reason that we're here. There are a couple of groups uh, on Facebook that I've been a part of that I think are worth checking out online. Um, this is not church is a group for the This Is Not Church podcast from my friends Nat and John Turney, and um, there's a lot of healthy folks on there. A lot of folks asking questions. A lot of people on a positive journey towards healing and wholeness. Um, I think you can put yourself out there and and not get hurt. Again, I'm not saying it's a safe place. I don't think that exists, but I think there are some healthy folks there. Um, it's like anything else. You've got to be willing to, uh, um, take the good and ignore the bad, uh, be okay with being misunderstood. But if you're going to put yourself out there, you might as well do it with folks that are healthy or growing, right? Uh, the desert sanctuary community on Facebook is another place that, um, I think you can give a part of yourself and be understood and be loved and be valued just as you are. They're healthy places to engage and share your struggles and your questions. I hope this 20 minutes that we've spent together today uh, has been worth your time. Thanks for listening. I'm going to be back with a new produced, fully produced episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast uh, probably this coming week. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you on social media, on Patreon, or over at MessySpirituality.org. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. And I hope that you will be willing to take the risk of love.